The Tri-County Area Chamber of Commerce is a business advocacy organization serving southeastern Berks, western Montgomery, and northern Chester counties, as well as the Route 422 corridor. Our office has been located in Pottstown for our entire 90-plus years in business since 1927. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Chamber Chat with the Tri-County Area Chamber of Commerce. My name is Bill Vitiello from the Victory Bank, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Remember the last time you called your bank and heard... Press 1 to wait for the next available representative. Press 2 to leave a voicemail. Now, listen to the difference at the Victory Bank. Hello, Victory Bank. Jennifer speaking. Real people. No voicemail. Everyone deserves a victory. The Victory Bank. We exist to help our clients fulfill their visions and dreams. Member FDIC. Did you ever wish you had friends for business benefits? Well, you do now with the Ben Exchange. Stop by their website today at benexchange.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome into the interview portion of the Tri-County Area Chamber Chat Podcast. My name is Bill from the Victory Bank, and I am here with two energetic guests this morning. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a rocking start. Uh, I am with Autumn Shaner and Kendra Cook. Both of you are from the Boyertown Museum of Historic Vehicles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Welcome yep. to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate you, you signing up. Like, you know, I think getting the businesses are associated with the chamber. This is a great way for them to get their word out about their business, but then also an opportunity for other businesses or just even the general public to connect with businesses in the Pottstown area. Um, so That's I've great. heard, I've heard a number <laughs> of times about the Boyertown Museum of Historic Vehicles. Please tell me all about it. Okay. Whoever wants to go first. Where do we start? <laughs> go ahead, Kendra. Uh, so the Boyertown Museum, uh, we've been around for quite some time. The museum was started in 1965. Wow. Yeah, and uh, but if you've not been there lately, you have you have to come because we made a lot of changes. In any case, the museum was started in 65, and it was supposed to collect and preserve vehicles, really that were built in Berks County, road vehicles, I should say. So cars, carriages, um, trucks. And uh, as time has gone on here, we've kind of evolved our mission that now we do road vehicles built in Pennsylvania. So um, we cover a lot of towns that if you're from Pennsylvania, you have grown up in or you drive through on your way to work or you work in or you know someone from there. So it's a neat combination of like a car museum we do have a lot of cars but then there's that local history component too so it's a unique uh vehicle museum because because of that focus so it gives it a little more of a hometown feel if, yeah, if you're definitely. from the area so so how many vehicles are in the museum on display we probably we have over 80 on display mm-hmm. had no idea it was yeah. that big it's a lot bigger than people think I think yeah <clears throat> had no idea yeah yeah so where you guys I know we'll go over this again but where are you located where's the museum at so we're on 85 South Walnut Street in Boyertown um, and I always tell people we're behind Izzy's bar um, okay. most, most people know yeah, most people where know. bar is <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty much right off the main drag honestly like um, the bank that's at the top of town uh, it was always National Pen headquarters um, it's BB&T now we're pretty much one road behind that to the left so we're we really are truly in downtown Boyertown 
Gotcha. Okay. So then, uh, Kendra, what do you do for the museum? So I am the curator slash manager, but it's a small staff, so we'll both tell you we, we all do a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It makes sense. Yeah, very similar to the Victory Bank. Yeah. yeah we're a small, smaller bank, and we get involved. We all get involved with quite a bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. How about you? Uh, I'm the curatorial assistant, so I assist Kendra with exhibits, research, events, and like she said, pretty much really everything Whatever. that goes on. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, I feel like I'm going to ask double questions, but I, I'm, I'm curious. So how did you how did you get involved? I'll ask you first. Kendra. How did <laughs> we you always get this question. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, you're going to hear a similar answer from the both of us, That's actually. okay, yeah. I started uh, as a volunteer back in 2004, so a long time ago. <laughs> I, was, I was in college. I was a history major. I was looking for something in the museum world to volunteer with when I was home for the summer because uh, I'm from the area and um, this was close to where I grew up and I could still keep my paying job and then mm-hmm. go there for some volunteer hours and um, that's how I started there really. Mm-hmm. So. Nice and similar. Same. So I started as a volunteer in 2012 uh, towards the end of 2012 while I was in school as well for, for, as a, for history mm-hmm. and um, then I eventually became a staff member just like Kendra so we you both know, started I, as volunteers you know as I get older I love history mm-hmm. but when I was younger uh-uh <laughs> that was my nap time yes that <laughs> I hear my, that a lot too that was my nap time and I I really wish I paid attention because I, I love it now like I love learning mm-hmm. um, and again I don't know if that's just because I'm getting older and it's, I'm to satisfy some curiosities but uh yeah, history. I think we do see that with yeah. visitors and people, you know, like I was saying, because it is a local history, you know, people are coming in and they'll, they'll, you know, read one of the signs and go, oh my gosh, I always wondered what that building was. And now they've learned, like they're more in tune to that, I think now. I mean, for me, nap, history was never nap time, but. Me too. But I, there are people like that. And I think that's a common thing. Is Definitely. I mean, you love it or you hate it. Like, I feel like history is one of those things when you're younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just always was one of the rarities as well. I liked it. Um, but I think that as you get older, even like my fiance, like he wasn't really into it. But he even said, you know, you kind of get a little more of a like appreciation for your heritage and your culture as you get older. And like Kendra said, that will bring people into the museum just because we have such a you know, it's such a cultural significance for us in this area as far as the classic car hobby goes. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows in Pennsylvania, we're big here for a classic car, um, you know, the classic car hobby. So I think that and just that we have people that come in and say, oh, I know, I graduated with that person's grandson. Because, yeah. you know, everyone stays around the area. <laughs> right, right. So there's some sort of connection that you'll find. Yeah, I've often heard that once you're in Boyertown, you never leave Boyertown. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, right, right. So are, are you both into vehicles, older vehicles? The history. The history of yeah, it. Yeah, I think you and I will be, both be the first to say that we're not mechanics. No. Um, I can understand basic and like appreciate the oddity of some of our stuff. Mechanic, mechanical, Mechanically speaking, it's just... I'm more in the history, but mm-hmm. because we have so many early pieces and so many pieces that were still from like that experimental stage before we had things like safety standards and even just basic street and traffic laws, mm-hmm. a lot of our stuff was built before all that. So there's a lot of experimental stuff and I can look at it and appreciate that, but Definitely. we're very much 
her and I are both a lot more history driven. So. Definitely. I mean, I, I mean, growing up, like my dad had a '64 Nova, and I did grow up driving. You know, he always used to cruise around uh, with me in there, and I do have fond memories of that. But I definitely am not a car person. I am now more, of course, working at the museum. But like Kendra said, it's more of just the cool stuff. And her and I do like weird things as well. So like the oddities, like she was saying, are a draw for me. But mostly it's just history and just our love for just history of all yeah. sorts, really. So what's the what's the oldest vehicle that you have in there? The oldest piece is a sleigh, actually. And oh. that even predates um, our country. It was built during the colonial era. You're kidding? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Up in the Kutztown area is... What is it, 63, 1763 or something? something like that, yeah. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. It's really neat looking. Yeah. So a sleigh, like, you sit in it and it's got, like, that type of sleigh? Yeah, We're not so, talking about the recreational oh, down yeah. the hill sleigh. Well. Sleigh. Sort of? It was used for so many things. It's sleighs So, so that was used... the hybrid back then. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Sleighs are pretty practical, actually. We do think of them as, like, a... A fun thing or like a, a luxury but they were actually people used them yes like you'd use your carriage but you know they didn't have snow removal like we think of it they tamp the snow down because yep. carriage wheels would sink so the sleighs became your winter transportation like practical mm-hmm. and this one's a pretty practical one it's it's not like super pretty and all you know decked out That's with true. bells and the decorative ironwork it's very Utilitarian. Okay. It's a good old Pennsylvania German example of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the so? Would you, obviously you would consider that fairly rare from a rarity perspective. I mean, they're not very common. I mean, I think it's. I mean, it in that condition, I think it's pretty rare, and just the fact that it was built so close to where the museum is now, um, that it has such that local tie. It's in pretty good shape. So I would say that it's you know it's pretty rare. I mean, people have them probably, but they're like in their barn covered in God knows what, and they're sure. not in great shape. This one's been kept pretty nice, so I would say it's it's more rare. So what would you say is the rarest vehicle that you have in there? Wow. We have yeah, a couple huh? of, that there are no other examples. Yeah. We have a couple of those. Um, the Hill Car, for instance. Definitely that. Uh, the Hill Car was built in Fleetwood, and it's called the hill car because the gentleman who built it was named James Hill. I mean, it was the only car he built. We don't have an exact year on that, but we see 1870s, and it's a car. Um, It's been slightly modified only because he wasn't happy with it originally, and he replaced the engine. So we don't have the original steam engine that was in it. We have his upgraded. He was also 13. Yeah, he was also a kid. When he built it. So when that's like, you have to, no, that's it. Yeah, he was 13. So there's a couple of things that are blowing my, my mind. First of all, it's from the late, it's from the late 1800s, right? Uh-huh. That's first. Second of all, he was 13. Mm-hmm. Third of all, it's a steam engine, mm-hmm. not a gasoline engine. When, when it, did gas engines come into play there, it's, roughly? It's really tough because so many of these people, like, it's funny. I bet each car museum could tell you about the different oldest car because... <laughs> A lot of them were like this guy, this kid, who was just building them in the backyard, in his barn, in his... He didn't really know what he was building, and he had no intention of selling them. And the other thing is patents. Like, they didn't file their patents, really, so they're hard to date, too. We kind of give credit to Carl Benz for making the first 
car with a gasoline mm-hmm, mm-hmm. engine, and that would have been about the same time, 1882, I think. So like I, the early 1880s. I heard his story is quite the story too. Like, didn't right before like he became really big with distribution and uh, production and distribution, his wife went on like a secret. Are you familiar with the story? I'm yeah, not, not the all. wife. I haven't heard anything about it. Oh. Yeah, so Bill's given us homework. So, I know. <laughs> so uh, this is an interesting story, and for my, for you and my audience, please forgive me if this is not wildly accurate. I'm going to give you the general consensus. So she apparently was from a very wealthy family. Okay. And her and Mr. Benz, what's his first name? Carl. Carl. Carl, Carl mm-hmm. had gotten together. He developed his version of the automobile, but apparently he wasn't very confident in it and it wasn't selling very well. So secretively, she went on this like 80 mile, it's the longest, (laughs) first and longest trip. She went on 80 miles and to not only to promote the vehicle, but then to test the vehicle. (laughs) She She was repairing the vehicle with her hosiery and bobby pins and was stopping along these different ways to get other people to help her basically repair this engine as it went along because it was malfunctioning. It was oh, wow. going wow. going through mud and it was going up uh-huh. hills. Like yeah. it was really being challenged. But she wound up going going there and and back unbeknownst to him. That's and, really cool. And that's how he really started like they started getting the word out. Wow. So I hope I told that story somewhat accurately. You're right. Uh, you both have your go, homework now. Yeah, no, we're going to go <laughs> research this because that's wow. interesting. We like stories like that. Well, yeah. and especially because to me, that's like, I mean, that's awesome because it's basically she has a lot to do with his, um, you know, uh, his success. Absolutely. So there's yeah. always a woman behind every positive thing that happens. <laughs> Just remember that. <laughs> that's a takeaway from this story. behind every great man is an even better woman. Yes. So, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, my wife's a good a testament to that. Of course. Um, so, yeah, so that was an interesting story. So you definitely have your homework there. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's great. Um, so, all right, so tell me, what is your, what's your favorite vehicle that's in the auto museum? Mine is the 1907 Dragon Touring. So what, so what is that? So it's a dragon, um, and they were made in Philadelphia, and they didn't make too many. Like a lot of car companies. So it, one thing to keep in mind before you enter the museum and when you're learning about these things is it was really easy to get into vehicle uh, automobile manufacturing because you could do whatever and there wasn't really, there weren't a lot of rules and regulations. So what happened was people went out and they said, all right, I have this idea for a car. This is what it is. I need money. The, the bank gives you a loan for so-and-so amount. And here it turns out you need a lot more money than that. So that's basically what happened is with this Dragon Touring, uh, this Dragon Company, they got a loan and they could only make so many cars and so it turned out that they're pretty rare. Uh, And we have one of them in the museum. It's bright blue and it's a gorgeous vehicle. We've won awards for it and it's just, it's beautiful. It's my favorite and it's a lot of money. In today's money, it would have been worth somewhere between like 60 and $80,000 in 1907. Wow. Okay. So I wouldn't have been driving it in 1907, right. so I like to imagine myself. <laughs> right. Right. I wouldn't even be driving it today. Yeah, I don't think a lot of us would be. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Yeah. What's yours? My favorite would be a totally different. Um, I like the World War II ambulance um, that was built in our buildings. So our museum's housed in what used to be the Boyertown Auto Body Works. They built truck bodies there for 
many years, 1926 to 1990, and uh, one of the things that they built was this ambulance um, and they they had a really good reputation after World War II. Prior to World War II they were doing mostly delivery bodies and after World War II after building these ambulances they had won several awards for that and um, after that they would start getting a lot more uh, government contract work. Um, they still did the delivery bodies but it was like a new um, venue for them that opened up but I love that ambulance that's my favorite. Nice. This is so fascinating. <laughs> I feel like we could sit here and talk for hours. We I could. I got too. 78 more vehicles already. Yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> well, go ahead. Mention some of the other ones that are in there. Because I think, I think what it'll do is it'll give the audience an opportunity to kind of visualize what kind of diversity is within the museum, right? That's true. I think one thing that's on my mind right now, because I was just talking about it last week, was our SGB. We have two, actually. But the one in particular... Um, SGB was a company out of Reading, and they have an interesting long history too. Uh, they were associated with a company before them that built bicycles and cars. And but this one SGB that we have, it has a Fleetwood metal body. So Fleetwood metal body works did luxury car bodies, um, beautiful stuff, and it's so neat that it's the only uh, Fleetwood body we have on a car that was built. In the United States, in, in Pennsylvania, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, the other Fleetwood bodies that we have are on a Packard and a LaSalle, which are gorgeous, but they're not Pennsylvania. So it's right. like neat that we have that in one car. So. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I have a passion for the bikes, uh, the bicycles that we have in the museum. We have um, penny farthings, are also known as like high wheelers, ordinaries. I really like those. We have a couple of those. We have a women's bike, uh, which is uh, Kendra and my one of our favorite things, definitely. Um, it's an 1898 Acme. So Acme started out in bicycles. They went on to um, build vehicles, regular road vehicles as well. But we have tons of bikes. We have uh, motorcycles. Roads. Carriage factory. Th that's really a big one. That's, we should probably yeah. touch on that. Yeah, the, the carriage factory is from 1872. And we have the original building still stands and we've we restored it a few years ago and then we opened it up and uh it's just a really neat building that's where everything started in boyertown with vehicles the carriage factory went through a couple different name changes but eventually they saw the writing on the wall so to speak and they modernized and moved over to trucks and then it became the boyertown auto body works so like we have that beginning at the museum and um it's a really popular part of the museum because it also is probably the most dynamic. We have belt-driven machinery up there that runs um, every almost every Saturday. We'll have a blacksmith come in and do demonstrations on the forge. So and people love that. That's so people cool. Love that. It is really cool. That's so it's really cool. cool. Yeah, it is. And we have a diverse blacksmith staff, which I like too. I mean, yeah, we have like they're all some different. older guys, and we have a young woman that blacksmiths. Um, a history teacher. He's a young guy that does it. So. They're really good with the kids, and I would really recommend that for young people, for, for everybody, but a lot of young people just don't even know what that looks like or what it's even about, so I would recommend coming in on a weekend and seeing the blacksmith in the, in the shop on an original forge. Sure. And, and even though there's four, five blacksmiths, so and they're all so different. Like that's even true. if you come in two different Saturdays and you see two different blacksmiths, you're gonna get that's true two totally different experiences because they're all just so different. That's true. With how they approach it and it's really neat. It's neat. To I, have them I, there. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here. I'm blown away <laughs> that this is within 20 minute drive. I know. 
and right? I have not been here. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yeah. Because I like all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I've been to the, um, uh, what's it called, Hopewell National Furnace. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They've done the blacksmithing like there, there yeah. which has been, is, you know, phenomenal. <clears throat> it and, is. It's very successful for them. And, and I love vehicles. I mean, I, I don't say love, love, but I love vehicles enough that I would love going to yeah, that museum sure. and yeah. just kind of walking around. Now, do you give, do you give tours when you go in, or do folks just walk around themselves? How does that work? Well, you can do either way. I mean, you can so you can call in advance and you can say, "I have two people, I have forty people, however, and we'd like a tour guide." Or you can come in on any day and just walk around yourself. Darlene, our friendly receptionist, is always there. She's there to answer any questions. And um, Kendra and myself give tours. So even if you show up and you're like, oh, gosh, I need someone to walk me around, Kendra and I are available to do that. Her and I do give tours as well. We have a good – and if you come on the weekend, um, we have a good core of volunteers that – come in on the weekends and this is what they do. They, they're they there to, to talk to visitors and tell them stories that we can't fit on the signs or yep. um, hear their stories too because we learn from our visitors as well. Definitely. Um, and hopefully in the summer maybe we'll have a few more weekdays with some volunteers to hang out. Um, right now it's mostly a weekend thing but Again, like I said, maybe in the summer, another day of the week, we'll have some more volunteers there. So how do you get the word out about the museum? What kind of things are you doing? Well, social media is a big deal. I mean, that's for everybody, of course. But just in the past five years, Kendra and I have upped our game, so to speak, on advertising and just how we're targeting people. A big deal for her and I is to get uh, younger people involved because, you know, we have the older crowd and... Unfortunately, when those people aren't around anymore, um, there won't be the stories uh, and people won't really care as much. So we're trying to get young people in. So, of course, social media. We do a lot on Facebook. Our Facebook page is very active. We have an active Instagram page, Twitter account. We have a website that's pretty good. Um, We're up to date on that. And then we do do some form of, like, regular, so to speak, advertising. Her and I go to many events around the area. We go to car shows. I know you've been to a lot of the Chamber events as well. Yes. Yeah, the Chamber's been a big part of you guys growing. Obviously, you have a big database that you Definitely. can choose from there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're doing the, yeah. the, car, the business card mixer there tomorrow night, for instance, you know, so we're yeah. trying to keep involved in those type of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else do you want to tell me about the museum? How, how big is it? Did I ask that question already? Oh, it's bigger than you think when you look from the outside. I would imagine. Like, it is. You're housing all those vehicles. and It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would know better than me the square <laughs> footage. That's what's, and I, and I don't. You could tell me this table we're sitting at is 20 feet long, and I'd be like, okay, I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> I, I have no visual acuity with that stuff at all. Um, I do, if, you know, if there are people listening and, and you were there 20 or more years ago, we were in a different location at that point. In 2000, we moved to where we are now. I can't express how much more space we have since we moved. I would mm-hmm. say it's doubled. And even if you were there 15 years ago, it's changed. Because when I started there, not all the building was open for exhibits. We had a lot of portions closed off. That's not the case anymore. The whole building is open um, for exhibits now. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the carriage factory adds on to it. It's um, large. Yeah. I would say, too, you know... We do have several events throughout the year, too. You know, keep an eye on, on Facebook and on our website, and we talk about those events pretty reliably every year. We'll have two, 
well, three events in our diner. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a 1938 diner, um, which is absolutely gorgeous. And we'll have, um, twice a year we'll have diner day, which is pie and coffee. And we sell it at 1938 prices. So, so, so we, can we back up here? We say yes. you have a diner. Oh, sorry. Yes, the diner. We didn't even talk about I mean, the we diner. We should talk about the diner. It's a local yeah. landmark, basically. Is the diner inside the museum? It is. Yep. You are kidding me. No. <laughs> we have a gas station inside the museum as well. Yeah. A 1921 Sunoco that sat oh up gosh. in Lehigh County. <laughs> All right. At the end of this podcast, you're going to have to give me the hours. Definitely. <laughs> because I need to get, I need to get there. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. So we, cool. Uh, the diner used to sit um, on Route 422. It used to be part of uh, Fagley's Family Restaurant, which was in Exeter Township. You couldn't really see the diner because the restaurant had gotten built around it. So it was like hidden inside. I mean, you could sit in there, but you would not see exterior walls from the road or even inside the building. So when the restaurant closed, another group rescued the diner inside. And they had plans for it that didn't pan out and it ended up coming to our museum. So... That is so, I'm fascinated, right? Mm -hmm. I I know my audience can't see me, but I'm glazed over right now. We've blown his mind. No, seriously, and I'm I'm not just doing this for the podcast. Like, I I genuinely am blown away here. We're we're really trying to not be hidden anymore. I think we were hidden for so many years, and um, we're trying not, we don't want to be that anymore. And I think some of it has been these events, like the diner, um, getting people in and just eating pie and coffee, and it sounds... Maybe kind of silly, but it brings in a lot of people. Like it's just a lot of life in the museum, and definitely. And so yeah, definitely um, check out our website for these events. Mm-hmm. We have a car show every year at the park in Boyertown, where if it's good weather, we can expect six to seven hundred cars wow. to come. Yeah, and then we have a food truck event mm-hmm. um, that is typically at the end of the of June every year. And then we do other smaller things, and those dates change. Like, we'll do something called Hoods Up Weekend. So normally, when you go in the museum, all the hoods are closed. You can't really see the engines. But on Hoods Up Weekend, we prop them all open. Oh, cool. So people that are really into that kind of stuff will come. And Mm -hmm. and usually, too, we'll run a car or two for Mm -hmm. a little bit. We'll do a little demo. Um, So there's little stuff like that that we exhibit openings. Yeah. Things like that. So those are the things that change every year. Definitely. Um, But... There's five events, I guess, we mm-hmm. have that are pretty typical every year. So there's so much going on at this museum. Yes. Okay, if I if I were to come by, this will be our last question here. Mm-hmm. If I were to come by, what is a do not miss? I want to hear from each of you. What is a do not miss at this museum? <clears throat> like something I absolutely, when I arrive, you're like, you have got to see this. For me, the Carriage Factory, because it started there. It's, it's, it's where everything started for us. So I would say, if, like, if I was a visitor and I had not been there, but knowing what I know, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. I'd shoot right up to the Carriage Factory and I'd start there. Everything in our museum is in time order. So if I would start in the Carriage Factory, I would see that. I would see the blacksmithing. I'd come down and I'd do it all in time order. That way you get the progression of what a vehicle looked like. Um, and how things changed over the years. That, and we have a really cool license plate display, which displays license plates from the beginning of license plates. That's just a neat little thing, too, that I think people would appreciate. That's cool. How about you? I'm actually going to say, and this is based off some answers we got on a Facebook question we asked the other week of what's your favorite thing here. I already know what you're going to say. Yeah. The Conestoga wagon. Yeah. We have a Conestoga, and I 
someone said it on there, and I think they're right. I think a lot of people overlook it yes. because it's not glitzy and shiny like the cars are, but it's a really neat piece. It's in amazing condition considering how hard it worked, you know, as a during its life on the road. And it was built in Burnville. Mm. Um, and it's it's beautiful. It's got some really neat artistic things on it, which you wouldn't think would be on a Conestoga wagon, but that was, again, the Pennsylvania German trait of theirs. But it's a really cool piece, and I, I think it does get overlooked. And it's almost it's immediately true. when you start in the museum, almost immediately when you go through the doors, the Conestoga. Okay, nice. Well, that's still, they'll be all places that I'll be visiting. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! All right, so tell me where I can find the museum at the website, all the contact information, please. Okay, our website is really easy, boyertownmuseum.org. All of our information is there, phone number. Um, all the staff members are on the contact page, mm-hmm. so if you know you have a question about the collection or you know you have a question about renting the, the facility, because we do rent out for groups and parties yeah. and, and businesses and things like that, um, all that is right on there on the on the contact page, and you'll see who you're talking to right there. Definitely. Um, Facebook, like I said, very active. Um, we're, I will say, I'm not tooting our horn, but we're very, very responsive with messages. Um, I know Facebook Messenger is a thing people do now. If you message us on Facebook, we will get back to you. I can guarantee you within the hour that either Kendra or myself will respond to you directly on there. So they can reach out to us via that way as well, mm-hmm. Social, any social media outlet. Nice. And, and we're open seven days a week, um, except major holidays, um, but we're open seven days and through the winter. So I know a lot of places do have winter hours, you know, and winter, it's, if it's crummy and cold out, we're still open. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's great. Yeah, something mm-hmm. for people to do while they're cooped up inside. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly the point, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah, good. Kendra Cook, Autumn Shaner. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This you too. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is today. so fun. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks everybody for downloading this episode. And until we connect again, bye for now. Thank you again for downloading this episode. If you would like to stay in touch with your Chamber of Commerce, please visit our website. That's tricountyareachamber.com. You can also follow us on social media, on LinkedIn, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and now Instagram. You can also pick up the phone and call us at 610-326-2900. A live person will pick up the phone. It's once again on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, please consider subscribing to this podcast. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. So again, subscribe to this podcast and also turn on notifications where you'll be notified of new episodes. The Tri-County Area Chamber of Commerce, serving the greater Pottstown area since 1927.